Welcome to the Tech.eu podcast, where we discuss some of the most interesting stories in European tech today. Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another Tech.eu interview. Uh, today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Andrea Marlier. Uh, she's the CEO of uh, Accessa and Raro, uh, which is a duo of uh, Romanian technology solutions companies uh, that were both acquired by the German IT group uh, Radio Data. Uh, itself part of Atruvia uh, back in November 2020, I believe. So that's close, getting close to two years ago, uh, three years ago, sorry. Um, that acquisition actually came after a few years of intense collaboration uh, with Accessa supporting Radio Data's uh, digitization strategy and the development of a number of technology solutions in partnership. Uh, today, we're going to talk a bit about the backstory behind that acquisition, uh, the big differences between IT outsourcing and nearshoring, uh, which I didn't really know existed, but now I know a lot about. Uh, discuss uh, a number of case studies that highlight the many benefits of, uh, of nearshoring uh, and also formulate some tips and tricks for using nearshoring in other organizations as part of an overall business strategy. Uh, Andrea, massive thank you for taking the time. And I'm quite looking forward to learning more about these topics along with our audience. Hey, Robin, thank you for having me here. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Where are you calling in from, by the way? Uh, right now I'm uh, in Cluj, so um, I recently arrived uh, this night from Germany. I was on a customer visit, but uh, yeah, I'm living in Cluj. I'm living in Romania since uh, yeah, roughly four years already. So, and in right. the background you see a nice—it's kind of a poster of uh, Piazza Oniri, which is the central place in Cluj. Great, and I absolutely love Cluj, and I hope to be back in August for the Untold Festival. Ooh. I'm really going to try. Ah, you know Untold, perfect. Yes. One of the good reasons to come to Cluj, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so first of all, maybe Andrea, can you tell us how you ended up becoming part of Accessa and uh, how, how Accessa actually ended up becoming part of the Germany-based ratio data, uh, itself part of Etruvia, as I mentioned? So yeah, thank you for asking me. It's a little bit of an adventurous um, journey. So uh, I think it was back in 2017 when ratio data um, started uh, working together with Accessa. Accessa as, at that time was a yeah, IT service provider um, run and founded by a Romanian, Romanian um, engineer. And um, the collaboration started to be quite successful, but it was still remote. And at that time, I have a consulting background. Um, I was consulting Razzo Data. And uh, they asked me, hey, Andrea, I think that was roughly beginning of 2019. Uh, could you imagine to go for a couple of maybe months to, to Cluj and do some kind of program management? And um, honestly, I was really curious. I was, I've never been in Romania before. So I decided, OK, why not? So I came to Cluj. Um, I fell in love with Cluj and its people on first sight, and I love doing my job as a program manager, as an external. After a while, um, Racial Data came again and said, well, you know, we are working already since so many time, so, so, since so many years together with Accessa. We would like to, uh, together with Accessa, found a joint venture. And uh, because we are spending more and more money also in Romania, and why not having our own company? Um, together with Accessa because we don't dare to ramp it up all alone. You need to be, let's say, kind of local. You need to know how it works. Again, they asked me if I could imagine to stay and um, yeah, ramp up that joint venture. I agreed because at that time I already decided to even leave Germany to stay in Romania 
that's it forever, maybe. And um, yeah, end of 2019, I start, took the first steps founding that company. And yeah, guess what? Um, March 2020, all of us, all out of a sudden, you know, with uh, the shutdown also here in Romania, it was quite tricky to found a new company at that time. Somehow I managed also because I found some Romanian now colleagues and with them together, we, we started that really adventurous journey. And I think we were already 30, 40 people on board being hired for RARO. RARO at that time stand for, or stood for Ratio Data Accesa Romania. Um, the former founder of Accesa decided to, to bring Accesa on the market. And of course, Ratio Data was kind of in a privileged situation. I already knowing Accesa here, um, we had a due diligence and then finally Ratio Data um, made an offer and uh, since then um, Raro and Accesa belong to Ratio Data and I'm the CEO. The reason, and this is the interesting thing, and I guess this is also of interest for, for many of um, um, those who might listen to our podcast, um, the reason behind is that more and more companies from the Dach region or let's say Western European countries they all are looking for nearshoring, but they don't know how to handle this. And running your own company here, of course, is, is a temptation. On the other hand side, you need to know what to do and you cannot do it without someone who really knows the Romanian market. So that was at that point the time, the time, the reason why Rachel Data thought it's a great idea to do this acquisition that was also one of the biggest acquisitions they ever did. And um, what is important to know, and also you mentioned it already, racial data, um, most of the companies, at least in Germany, never heard about racial data because they belong um, to a group of um, uh, companies that uh, you call, it's a, it's a horrible word, Genossenschaftlicher Finanzverbund. <laughs> it's di difficult to explain. Um, these are all the companies that belong to the Fox and Raiffeisenbanken in Germany. So, and Ratio Data is one of those companies which are part of this association of companies um, that belong to the VR Banken. So, um, and the idea was from beginning on to use Accesa and the talents here in Romania to better support, um, yeah, IT development and managed services for the group, for the Fox for the Fox and Raiffeisenbanken in Germany. Great. Well, that's a fantastic summary of uh, what happened with the acquisition. Uh, now let's uh, fast forward to today. Um, at present, Access has more than uh, 1,200 IT professionals on the team, yes. which is quite a lot, um, servicing more than 70 clients uh, globally uh, from your headquarters in Cluj-Napoca, which is the uh -huh. background that you can see uh, on your screen. Uh, we also have offices in Munich and uh, Oradea, uh, among mm -hmm. others. Um, now, the company has been around almost two decades, uh, currently offers a wide array of technology competences and partnerships, uh, providing the, the likes of services, uh, software development, cloud solutions, automation, AI, of course, which is a big topic these days, uh, but also e-commerce, intelligence workplace solutions, and much, much more. Uh, that's quite a long list of competencies. Um, so, so I'm wondering, when people ask you to sort of explain what Accessa does in a nutshell, mm -hmm. uh, what, what's your answer? What's the elevator pitch? Yeah, it's, uh, it's very simple because, um, I mean, you described nicely, really nicely all our services, what we are doing, but basically what stands behind is we are a nearshore Romanian-based IT service provider that is committed to deliver value to its clients and partners. 
we are talking about value. We are no longer talking about managed service development, AI and so on. It's all about value. Um, of course, we have 1,200 experts who are extremely knowledgeable in technology and also have a lot of functional knowledge already gained together with our clients in, in other countries. But what thrives us is what is a value for our customers? A value, of course, at the end, you need to pay for a value, but what is a value is depends a lot on the business model of our customers. So, for example, if we support um, a bank in defining and also developing a blockchain uh, strategy, then I would say, yes, this is a high value that we deliver. And only these we were talking about these kind of values that we that we want to deliver. It's no longer mandates of coding or lines of code, it's its value. And um, we try to define what is value together with our clients and then deliver this. And of course, it's all around IT. We are native IT. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a nice uh, elevated pitch, I would say, uh, because values, of course, what it often comes down to at the end of any relationship. Mm -hmm. um, now, in the past, uh, people quite often associated the, the tech talent pools that you have across Eastern Europe uh, with sort of cheap tech labor, if I can say mm -hmm. that. Um, it was sort of regarded as a way to outsource development and certain services to places like Romania, but also Ukraine, uh, Bulgaria, uh, and whatnot. Uh, but since then, and especially in the last decade, I would say, uh, the region has, of course, uh, evolved quite a lot. Um, how do you sort of look back on the outsourcing days if you were, um, you know, part of that? And do you think that was a generally positive development for Eastern Europe as a whole? Definitely. From my point of view, um, stepping into the IT industry is an entry ticket for many, many of the Eastern European countries um, into, let's say, European economy. And, and this is the that is really the most important part, keeping the talents in the country. Because, um, and that, again, referring to Romania, I think um, nearly 20 years ago, the Romanian government did something, from my point of view, really, really smart. They decided at that point of time, because they had a huge and massive brain drain, people leaving Romania because of the economical situations, going to better European countries or even further abroad, they decided um, to, or they submitted two laws. One law was that if um, you are a Romanian founder of an IT company that at least um, does more than 10% of revenue with a European country, um, then you don't need to pay corporate taxes. That, of course, was a major incentive of that time back. This has been skipped in the meantime. But out of these, let's say, taxation reliefs, you still find uh, many, many IT companies in Romania. Plus, and this still exists here in, uh, in Romania at least, um, if you have a technical background as an engineer and you're working in an IT company um, in a technical role, you don't pay income tax. So. Oh, wow. Which is, which is amazing and it supports the IT industry um, yeah, tremendously and it means at the same time from a very, let's say, human point of view, talented people, they can stay here in Romania, they, they can found their families, they stay with their families because they can work fully remote. Of course, now with COVID, this got a further push, um, but they are quite competitive. And this is, um, from my point of view, not only um, a huge advantage, it was not only a huge advantage in the past, it will still be. As long as there is a gap in, in day rates, 
which of course is important. Plus, there is a high incentive for young talents to have a technical background, to go to one of the universities here in Romania. It's amazing. I know that the different Eastern European countries, they tackled these topics differently, but um, coming back to Romania, I think that this is really, really smart. Yeah, I agree. That was quite a forward-looking way to approach this, yeah. uh, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, very nice. Uh, good to know. Um, so one term for this sort of legacy outsourcing um, business that I hadn't heard before preparing for this interview is a term called body leasing, which I think is horrible. Uh, but, that's a, yeah. but that's essentially when a company hires third-party vendors uh, who then provide temporary staff uh, to work on very specific projects. Um, nowadays, the term that we hear more often is nearshoring. Uh, we've mm -hmm. used the term a couple of times before, uh, but this is also what Access is sort of specialized in. Uh, what, what's the difference between uh, between those terms, body leasing, outsourcing on the one hand, and near, mm -hmm. nearshoring on the other? And how can a company fit it into its own business strategy mm -hmm. in a smart mm -hmm. way? I would, um, if you allow me, iterate these labels a little bit differently. Looking back, everything started with body leasing, that really <laughs> ugly word, because... Um, Companies in Germany or in other areas in Western Europe, they were just looking for cheap, as you said, cheap resources. They were not thinking about services that they wanted to buy. They just wanted to buy cheaper resources in order to fill gaps in their existing IT organization. This is what we call body leasing. Yeah. Out of the body leasing, something that um, developed was, and this is, I'd say, more or less that the common ground right now, talking about outsourcing. Outsourcing is a different perspective. Outsourcing means you have something that you right now as a, let's say, a Belgian company um, deliver on your own with your own resources and this service or this whatever it is, little part of a value package, you source from outside. So you're not no longer talking about a body <laughs> that you lease or a person that is yeah, capable to, to do coding. You're talking about a more complex setup, which we call a service. And this is normally where you talk about outsourcing. After outsourcing, um, or the idea of outsourcing, you can, let's say, play around in different ways. You can talk about offshoring when it, uh, when, when these services are bought in from, let's say, India. You can go talk about nearshoring if it's closer to you. And from a European perspective, um, you talk about nearshoring normally as long as it is within Europe. Um, this is due to the fact um, that uh, we have some common regulations within EU and therefore nearshoring within EU gives you, a, let's say, a safer legal framework for, do, for doing outsourcing, buying in services. The last iteration, and this is what I like a lot as a creation of a label, is friendshoring. I don't know if you ever heard about this, no. but uh, <laughs> some, some of our customers uh, are talking about friendshoring, also when they talk about us, because um, rather than just pure nearshoring, it's about creating long-lasting, trustful relationships. And um, a trustful relationship really means if you can say so, that there are there's really a friendship between companies, or at least is its actors, and um, because you can never never fix everything with contracts. At the very end, if you talk about contracting in a near shore relationship, it's also about trust. It's about who are the actors on both sides, and 
together with these actors can we survive maybe sometimes critical situations together because we still believe in our trustful relationship and this is what you call threat showing i like this a lot and yeah. I'm, i'm really proud that we have some of these clients with whom we work together like partners in a friendship super well it's definitely a term i've never heard before but i can see why uh, why it's so appealing mm -hmm. um Then, then how would you sort of summarize the long-term benefits of nearshoring or friendshoring? Uh, and in particular, how does it play to access the strengths in particular? Mm -hmm. um, beside all the, let's say, little details, I don't want to bore you with uh, the little nitty-gritty things. I think what is important is that the main benefit is that with working together with a nearshore company, you get access to a labor market um, that normally you, you would not be able to discover. Looking at my home country in Germany with a huge scarcity of, of skilled IT people, extremely high salaries, um, and also a demographics which are not always favorable if you look about such a young industry like IT. Um, working together with a nearshore company like Accesa or others means that You get access to highly motivated talent pools, um, an average age at least at access of 30 years, which is amazing if you compare this with other Western European uh, companies. Um, very, very skilled people, people who know that they benefit from staying in their home countries and they want to contribute. They want to connect also with the companies whom they work for. There is, um, it's about identification that you get with the company, even though it's not in your country. I think this is, yeah, this summarizes uh, the benefit of nearshoring or friendshoring. Fantastic. Uh, and also just to make it more tangible, uh, can you provide us with a couple of um, case studies or customer references uh, that are helpful for the audience maybe to understand how nearshoring uh, can provide uh, value across the, mm -hmm, the chain? Mm -hmm. So maybe let me start with one little general overview. So from our perspective, we divided our um, yeah, client groups with normally with whom we work together into three areas. We are working together with financial services industry companies. We are working together with retailers, huge retailers mostly, and uh, manufacturing, and of course, some cross industries. This is what we call them. And um, beside the fact that, uh, and now I'm coming to, to the examples, beside the fact that, of course, we, we have running projects and so on, um, what I would like to emphasize are some very special occasions that uh, where that those added value of a friend showing um, becomes more transparent. For example, a couple of days ago, we had here 15 visitors from one of our largest uh, clients, Media Markt Saturn, and because we celebrated at our 10 years anniversary, so already since 10 years, we are closely working together. People know each other. We have many, many people in their tribes. So we're talking about tribes, working for them here. And uh, we had an amazing hackathon. So their experts came to Cluj, our experts came to Cluj. And in this area, of course, nowadays it's all about OpenAI, how we can use OpenAI better. And we had a hackathon, so through Yeah, more or less 24 hours. Our teams together, they've been working together. They created, they came up with amazing ideas. Um, and uh, these ideas are now on a long list um, at Media Markt Saturn. And uh, I hope that some of them will be selected and become, become true um, or will be created uh, soon. So 
I cannot tell you all the details, of course, but there are amazing ideas. Um, other topics, as you already mentioned, I think in the beginning, one of the hot topics right now in the IT industry is cybersecurity. And um, we are working closely together also with members of our, we call it family, the group that we belong to in Germany. Um, and there we have, together also with our mother company or grandmother company, Atruvia, we have teams talking about uh, working on cybersecurity topics, how to better defend banking infrastructure, how to do safe coding and all these kind of things. It's a huge area. Um, and not yet fully explored. And these are topics where that, let's say, the value of working together becomes more obvious. It's not because of, you know, as you said in the beginning, body leasing, you cannot buy this expertise by buying men days. It's something that um, you need to arrange. And the foundation of this is the relationship that we have with, with your clients or let's say partners. We are not normally, we don't talk about clients. Great. I hope well, this uh, gives you some ideas on what we are doing. No, it does. Absolutely. Um, what I'm wondering now is that uh, are there any downsides or potential pitfalls to using nearshoring or friendshoring uh, as a company, whether it's with Access or other IT partners? Mm -hmm. Are there any, any downsides to it? From my point of view, if you are smart and you understand um, as a, for example, Western European company, how to approach nearshoring, there is no downside. Um, the downside starts or the risks are there if in your organization, from a partner or, or client side, people are not knowledgeable enough uh, on how to use nearshoring best. So the nearshore competency in the company that wants to do nearshoring has to be built as well. So just looking at it again, like, yes, let's purchase some, some cheap uh, IT resources back going, let's say going back to 20 years ago, this will not help. And this is, this is a risk that I see. It's not a downside because nearshoring, friendshoring really offers a lot of benefit, but there is an inherent risk. And uh, I can only advise any company that would like to do nearshoring, um, yeah, have, a, have some competent people also on your side to look at it um, from that perspective. Um, do you also consider that part of Access's mission to sort of educate um, potential clients and partners on how nearshoring works on mm -hmm. their side? I am kind of an ambassador of this, yes. Because <laughs> um, in my role here, I think I better understood what works, what does not work. Um, I think I combine both perspectives also with my professional background, having worked for huge um, Western European companies already. So, yes, I, I really try to be an ambassador and uh, an evangelist a little bit um, and, and trying to make this better. By the way, we also offer some consultancy, but uh, only if asked for. So we are not pushing this too much. Because uh, I think it's a question of maturity of the, our partners in other countries to decide, yeah, when are we ready to do nearshoring? Mm -hmm. Yeah, understood. Um, you've explained very well this sort of evolution from you know pure body leasing to outsourcing, nearshoring, and now friendshoring. Um, what's the next step? Like, what comes after, or what what will Accessa look like? Let's say in five, ten years from now. Well, first of all, <laughs> good question. I think we will grow a lot. Um, there, not only, but also because of uh, COVID, there's still such a push on digitalization that it's all about growth. 
Um, what we see as an, as an evolution is what I mentioned in the beginning, it's about value. An IT provider that sticks um, with yeah, selling FTE, sell, do body leasing will no longer exist in the future. So the next step in the evolution is from, this is at least how we embrace it, to, to really look at the customer, um, try to build an organization as a nearshore provider that fully fits and, and integrates into the value chain of the customer. So there is no longer the question, do we do nearshoring or not? It's about, okay, we have mixed teams and some of the members are in Romania, Bulgaria, in Poland or wherever, and some of them are in Germany, in France, in Belgium. It will be the new normal. And uh, this is what I see. So it's more bringing smart teams together and no longer talking about nearshoring, even, even friendshoring might, might pass away. It's about the competence of each company to bring together the most talented, capable people and work in, in successful teams. This is what will happen in the, in the next future. And we are happy to, to support this, of course. Great, super interesting. Um, final question uh, from your time at Accessa, what are some of the, the tips or things uh, to avoid uh, that you'd like to share with our audience when it comes to nearshoring or friendshoring uh, or more general as a leader of a company with now 1200 mm -hmm. IT professionals? Um, from which perspective? From the company or from my perspective being here in Romania? Sorry, I'll repeat the question, uh, but mm -hmm. maybe first. Um, this is just a um, sort of final learnings or takeaways to share with the audience just to wrap mm -hmm. up the discussion. So we can keep it very short, uh, but you can do it any way you want, either as a leader of the, the company or just general tips. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, okay, great. good. So yes, I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll ask the question again, just a second. Okay. Super interesting. Um, do you have any final learnings uh, to share uh, before we wrap up the discussion? Um, things you've learned uh, from your time at Accessa, uh, or maybe just things that you've learned over the last, um, you know, 10, 20 years of your career that you'd like to share with our audience? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think there are two things. From the perspective of um, companies who would like to test friendshoring, nearshoring, I would say go and visit the company. Don't do it fully remote. Come meet the people, understand a little bit the difference in culture, and then do the next step. It really makes sense. And uh, from my personal perspective, <laughs> I can only advise everyone um, to visit Eastern Europe. Um, it is way more developed, technically developed, as you can imagine, because of these latest trends. And um, yeah, personally, I would say whoever was here, um, he will come back again. And I highly advise to also really visit those countries. It's an enrichment of the European culture that maybe have not yet seen so, so often. That is fantastic advice to end on. I'll come to Sofia in Bulgaria in 10 days from now. Super. Uh, just to follow your advice. <laughs> so if you're uh, in Cluj, let, let, drop by, please. Let's have a coffee together. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. I will, I will take you up on that uh, if I go back to Cluj. Uh, Andrea, thank you so much for your time, explaining a little bit more about nearshoring, introducing me to the term friendshoring, super interesting, uh, and also for us uh, to get to know Access a little bit better. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Robin, for your time. See you then in the future.